First John chapter number one. Book of First John, chapter number one. Excuse me, chapter number two. We're going to read verse number eight. Here John says there's a new commandment. Again, a new commandment I write in you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come this morning. God, we thank you for your word, for your truth. God, that your light that shines, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, that it could even shine through us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us so we could draw closer to you as we look, look into your word. God, that we could do so with open hearts, that we might allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us tonight, God, this morning, God. I pray that you'd help us, that, that we could draw closer as Christians, God, draw closer as a church, that we could be that light in this community that you called us to be. Lord, most of all, if they be one among us this morning that's lost and unsaved, that they could see their need of a Savior. God, that they could see Christ, that they could believe in Him with all their heart before it be too late, that they could be saved. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us so we would never do or say anything that would bring shame upon your great and holy name. Thank you for the many blessings you bestowed upon us. Thank you most of all for Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Amen. The epistles of 1 John is, is a little bit different. In verse 7 and 80, he talks about a new commandment. But I want to talk about that, that light that now shines. I did not know that Garth Brooks was going to be in town yesterday. I had no idea. And then I start seeing people talk about it on social media. And somebody asked me about it at school. That must have been Friday. And until Friday, I didn't know he was going to be in town. So it must not have been a real big deal. Because I didn't hear about it. But when something big happens, most of the time we hear about it, right? Whenever something big is going on, most of the time the, the word gets out. Especially whenever you tell the right people. Then the word gets out really, really quick. Is our gospel worth getting the word out? Is our Jesus worth telling people about? He either is or he ain't. We was riding the baseball game on Friday and, and one of the kids mentioned the, what was going on at Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge and I had no idea. He said, well, I, I didn't really care about it. They was just one of my friends going us. Well, that makes sense. Some people did, some people didn't. So the word didn't get quite out as far as it, it could have. But whenever it comes to, to sharing good news, we have the best. We have better news than somebody coming to, to sing in Louisiana. We have better news than a, a visit by a dignitary. We, we have better news than an Easter egg hunt going on at some place in the community. We have the greatest news of all, and yet most of the time, we fail to share it. How many people do we talk to on a regular basis? Especially gossip to. How many people do we gossip to on a daily basis? Do we share Jesus like we share gossip? Do we share Jesus like we share pictures of the big deer we killed? Do we share Christ like we share the pictures of the big fish? Do we share Jesus like we share anything else in this world? John said the darkness is past. And the true light now shines. If you're here this morning, you're a saved child of God. You have been called out of the darkness by Jesus Christ. You've been caught up out of it and, and you don't have to go back. If you're here and you believe in Jesus Christ from your whole heart, you have been saved from that darkness. 
And if we can tell people about a deer and we can tell people about a fish and we can tell people about a turkey and we can tell people about a baseball game and we can tell people about a basketball game, why do we struggle to share Christ when He is that true light? When He is that thing that matters? This morning I want to ask a very simple question. The Sunday school lesson kind of jumped off on it when we talked about contentment a little bit. But what does Christ mean in my life? What does He mean to me? Mother's Day is coming up right here shortly. For those that don't know, we put it in the bulletin so nobody will forget. What does your mother mean to you? How important is she? How special is she? You can start making a list. And I, I wrote a, I wrote a poem one time. It was titled "You Have Failed," and it was a long poem. And it was about how big of a failure my mother was. The whole thing talked about was about how she had failed to allow her kids to neglect church, how she had failed to allow us to go hungry, to not be clothed, to not be sufficient, how she had failed. show us anything but kindness and love. How she had failed to not discipline her kids to teach us right from wrong. And in that poem, I, I tried to explain exactly what she meant to me because of what she had given me. Our mothers are important not because they birthed us, but because of what they did after that. Christ is not the, the most important thing in our lives simply because of salvation. Simply because He came to this world. Simply because of that plan. But what came after that? Not only for salvation, but for bringing us out of that darkness. For bringing us into that light. For, for showing us things. For giving us the gospel. For answering our prayers. For giving us strength. For giving us guidance. For giving us patience. Christ is not only to be celebrated on Easter and Christmas, just like mothers are not only to be celebrated on Mother's Day. Christ is, Christ is a 365-day thing. It's not a right here, right now. It's in all the time. It's in every day. It's, it's every minute we should be thanking Him. We should be celebrating Him because He is that true light. In Him there is no darkness. And He has called us out of that darkness of sin into the light of His love. He has saved our soul. He gave everything for us. This morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, let me tell you about a man who has already given it all up just for you. I have a lot of respect for our military, for policemen, firefighters, people that put their life on the line for others. And they choose to do that. They choose to do that out of a sense of duty, service, compassion, love, selflessness. Christ chose to do it before you were born. Christ chose to do it not only for people who, who, who were like Him, not only for people who lived around Him, but for the whole world. Not only for people who loved Him, but for people who hated Him. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you're here and you don't know Jesus this morning, let me tell you about that true light who whenever you hated Him, whenever you rejected Him, while you're sitting there on that pew saying, I will not believe He died for you. While you reject Him, He took nails in His hands for you. 
While you say no, his body was broken. His back was laid open. You could see bone. His hair was pulled out of his face. He was spit on. If you've ever studied the process of the death of the crucifixion, Jesus suffocated to death. He drowned in liquid in his body and suffocated to death on that cross. And he did it for you. Jesus gave up the ghost for you. Jesus laid down his life for you. And he didn't do it so that you could sit there in that pew. He didn't do it so you can read your Bible and say, I refuse to believe in Jesus Christ. He didn't do it so you can say, there's got to be another way. He didn't do it so it would be too hard for people to get saved. He did it so that the whosoever should come into the light. That's anybody. That's everybody. There's no exemptions from that. I don't know for sure. But I know it. Almost every game that I've ever been to, whether it be high school or college, you got people to try to sneak in. At Varnado, it was them two back doors on the gym. You get one person to pay to get in, and they would run around there to the back door and open it, and then the whole family could come in the back door for free. Ben's Ford baseball games, it's the, the preschool. People walk around by there, and they come past the ticket person, and they don't have to pay to get in. At Pine, it was coming around behind the baseball field, behind the softball field, back where everybody parked. You walk down through there, and you come right up and right on past the ticket, people. You don't have to pay to get in. Because there was a cost at the gate. At the gate of salvation. Where Jesus is calling you into the light. Where Jesus is calling you into salvation. There's no cost. There's no sneaking in that. There's no trying to get around anything. It is believe in Christ and walking. It is believe in Christ and step into the light. That is it. You don't have to get around anything. You, you don't have to overcomplicate anything. The Bible says whosoever. Whosoever, that's anybody. That's me. That's you. That's every person in this building that has been saved. That is every person on this earth that has ever believed in Jesus Christ as their Savior. They were saved the same way that you're going to get saved if you'll get saved. If you'll believe in Jesus Christ, then you'll believe in the same Jesus I did. You'll believe in the same Jesus that him that's done going on did. Him that's laid up in paradise right now. They believed in the same Jesus that you're required to believe in to be saved. That has not changed. He is the same light. He is the same light that calls us out of darkness and this morning if you'll believe in him with all your heart you'll be saved that's it that's as far as hard as it gets it's as far as it goes believe in Christ be saved neglect to believe in Christ and perish you can't hear it from where you're at but my belly's growling right now I'm hungry I got up this morning and I popped three eggs in this little copper skillet. And I made me three eggs. I put garlic, and onion, pepper, salt. Didn't put no ketchup because that's borderline sinful. But I put all that in my eggs and I mixed it up and laid it on the stove. And before I left, I neglected to eat them eggs. That could have saved me from being hungry. 
But I neglected to eat the eggs. I, I just I just didn't. I just didn't. So whenever I get to church, and that chocolate milk is long gone, and I'm, I, I'm getting hungry. Whose fault is it? It ain't my wife's fault. It ain't Bailey's fault. She had a great morning. She ate her oranges. She ate her oatmeal. It's not your fault. But Ed, you didn't keep me from eating my eggs this morning. Whose fault is it? It's mine. I neglected to eat my eggs. I, I just didn't do it. <coughs> I made them. I cooked them. I put in the work. They were there. All I had to do was reach over there. I do it all the time. It's easy. Even Bailey's figured out how to put food in her mouth. That's all I had to do put food in my mouth. I wouldn't be hungry. <coughs> the eggs of salvation have been made. Jesus has already took care of it. There were two responsibilities in salvation. There had to be a sacrifice for sin. That's been done. That's been done. All you have to do is believe. Nobody can do it for you. If you neglect to believe this morning, you, you don't have an assurance of tomorrow. You don't have assurance of today. And if you leave this earth without Jesus Christ, assurances can be given that you'll lift your eyes in the devil's hell. And there'll be no second chance. There'll be no going back. When I get back home, them eggs ain't going to be no good no more. I can't go back and eat them. I'm already here and you'll already be in hell if you leave this world without Christ. And you'll believe then. You'll believe then. Oh, I'm, I, I wish I'd eat them eggs now. But it's too late. The rich man said, I'm tortured in this flame. Will you send somebody to tell my family? He didn't want his family to be there with him. Because he neglected Christ and he didn't want anybody else to be in that same shape. Flip over, if you would, to the book of Mark. Chapter number 16. Book of Mark, chapter number 16 this morning. If you're here and you don't know Christ, I beg of you to believe in that light. To step into that light, to believe in Christ with all your heart. Do not neglect Him. Because there will come a day. And I, I've heard it said, and I thought it was kind of ironic. The Bible teaches it. Every person in this building right now, saved, lost, you will believe in Jesus. Every person. If you leave this life saved, or if you leave this life lost, you will believe in Christ. 100%. You're going to believe. The Bible says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Every person will believe in Jesus. The only question which side of eternity you do it on. And that determines your eternal location. This morning, I, I hope that you could believe on Jesus on this side of eternity. Turn back to the saved for a minute. Because of our belief in Jesus, we have the greatest news that's ever, that's ever hit earth. Whenever Bailey was born, I... I I run my phone down because I couldn't find a charging cable in that whole blame hospital. And I run my phone down texting pictures to everybody. I was proud of it. I, she looks like me. Let's hope she grows out of it. But whenever she was born, I was proud of that. I was proud of her. That's the prettiest baby ever been born. I'm not prejudiced. She is. And I told everybody about it. Mark in chapter 16, verse 15. He told him about Jesus said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. 
And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. They shall drink any deadly thing. And shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. This morning following salvation. We have a lot of things that we have to do. And save people. If we go in God's name. If we go into this world and we teach and we preach and we try to reach others and we try to be that witness and we take our testimony into a lost and dying world, signs will follow us. People will know. People can tell how close your walk is with God. People can see that. If you don't believe me, just ask them one day. They're not going to tell you if you don't ask them. But you ask somebody, do you think that I'm a Christian? Can you tell that I know Jesus? Can you tell? People can see it. There should be signs that follow us. Flip back, if you would, to the book of 1 John one more time. Chapter number 3. Because of our responsibility to go. Because of our responsibility to take this light into the world. Jesus told in, in one of his first major sermons, he told the, the crowd, he said, to be the light of the world. To bring all men into the light. What does a light do? A light reveals things. If you flip on the lights, you, you're able to see things as they are. Before you do, you, you see shadows, you see parts, you see some. Jesus reveals himself as the light in order to reveal sin in us. In order to reveal failure in our life. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, I hope that light turns on for you today. I hope that you can see the sin in your life. I hope you can see yourself a sinner in need of a Savior. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. We should be called the sons of God. Is that something to celebrate? Brother Donnie preached a little bit on joy. What does that look like? What does joy look like? Most of you in here at least seen the baseball game, football game, basketball game. What happens when they win? What happens? What happens when it's a walk-off home run? What was the other team doing? Joy. Joy! They stormed home plate. They picked the guy up. They, 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 they throw Gatorade on the coach. Not my team. Get them and throw Gatorade on the coach. But they, they rejoice. They get excited. What happens whenever we? What happens whenever we remember that Christ saved us? Can we get that same joy? Or is that lost within us? The Bible says that there our joy might remain in us. Whenever we got saved, that joy was in us, whether we wanted it or not. It was here. Well, we had joy whenever we got saved, but the trick is for that joy to remain and even to grow. Every day that we live in salvation, I think Brother Randy may have seen it on my board at school. I got a dry erase board. And at the bottom left-hand corner, it's a chart. It's an L chart, line chart. And at the bottom left-hand corner, it's a little dot that says salvation. You start right here. Bottom left-hand corner. And on the right-hand side, as you go up, this is spiritual growth. And on the bottom, it is time as it passes. And our walk with God should be a steady increase as time passes. 
At least you grow spiritually. Our joy should be the same way. As time passes, our joy should go up. If we ever level off, we're in trouble. If we ever level off spiritually, if we ever level off in the amount of joy that we can show, we're in trouble. So why don't we show that joy? I'll never forget. Last year, LSU football season. I didn't watch very many games, but I could tell if they won or not when everybody walked in. I could tell if LSU had won or if LSU had lost by the look on it on people's faces. I could, I could do it. Can people tell that we're Christians by the look on our face? By the joy that we have? You can tell when you're excited. You can tell when you're not. Everybody else can too. So what do they see whenever they see us? Do they see a Christian that is full of joy and say, I want that? Or do they see someone who is just got to go to church again. Do we got to go to church or do we get to go to church? Do we got to read our Bible or do we get to read our Bible? Do we got to sing in the choir or do we get to sing in the choir? There's a very big difference in that one letter that changes those two words. There's a very big difference. <coughs> momentum shifts in a ball game. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. We had momentum in our playoff game Friday. I mean, done scored three runs, done whooped up on this other team. Our pitcher gets up on the mound, they hit a line drive, hits him right there. Falls down, jumps up, throws the ball to first base, and falls down again. Can't breathe. Momentum shift right there. We went from being on the road to back on our heels because something had changed. Because something had hit us. The Bible says that we are called out of darkness into the light. That is that something that shifts momentum in our direction. That is something that shifts momentum for us, not against us. Verse 2 says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him, and we shall see him as he is. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he which is pure. Everyone that believes in Jesus Christ their Savior purifies himself through Jesus Christ as him that is pure. Has that great momentum shift in the right direction, but we have to maintain that. We can't let the things of this world knock us on our back. We can't let the, the things that would love to steal our joy get in between us and God. Because the world's going to see it. The people that we're trying to witness to is going to see it. I can't sell you, I can't sell you a Ford if I drive a Chevrolet. I can't do it. I can't sell you a Kubota if I drive a John Deere. I can't sell you joy in Christ if I'm not joyful. Does that make sense? Do we have joy worth sharing? Do we have news worth sharing? Is Christ worth sharing? If he is, then why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? God loved us more than anything else. God almost destroyed his creation. He didn't spare the world whenever it was wicked, but he spared Noah. Because Noah was a light in a dark world. This morning, the world is dark. 
Can we be that light? Can we share a Jesus that died to save all men? Can we share a Christ that saved our soul and brought us, the Bible says, joy unspeakable, full of glory? Can we be excited about serving and living for God? Can we be excited about sharing the gospel with others? Can we be excited about reading our Bible? Can we be excited about that city that we're looking for? We just sang about it. Is that something that we can be joyful about? I look at joy in a lot of different directions. I can be overflowing inside and my face look just like this. I can. But the way that we hold ourselves, the way that we present ourselves, the way that we act in this world is going to show everybody one of two things. This person is a happy, joyous Christian or he don't really like it. Which are we? I've heard it over and over and over again. If everyone else in the church sang just as loud as you, would you rattle the roof? Or would there be no sound at all? If everyone in the church was just as joyful as you, if everyone in the church went and spread the gospel just like you, if everyone in the church lived for Christ exactly like me, if everyone in the church showed up just like me, if everyone in the church was like me, where would we be? If everyone in the church was like you, where would we be? Are we a joyful church this morning? Are we that light that shines out of darkness? This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, would you like to step out of that darkness? The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This morning, if you don't know Him as your Savior, if you'll call upon the name of Christ, if you call upon the name of Jesus, the Bible says you should be saved. But we have a verse for song. Ask for a verse of invitation. Someone have something on their heart. Invite you to come. Two forty, two hundred and forty.